Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. Access the number one care in Ohio anytime, anywhere. By Subway, the official training restaurant of the Cleveland Indians. By KeyBank, the banking home of the Cleveland Indians. Everyone, welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us for Hot Stove Talk on the radio the weekend prior to the baseball winter meeting. So uh, hopefully some concrete news on trades, free agent signings, and everything that goes along with the baseball winter meetings and what so far has been a very slow off season in terms of player movement. And we'll hear from Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, coming up in our show about the pace of, of player moves and why the market has been so slow so far. We will also visit with Dan Otero, signed to a two-year contract with a team option for a third season to be a part of that outstanding Indians bullpen for another couple of seasons. Some stability there for the Tribe in their bullpen. We'll also visit with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio, who gives us a recap of a great event in our nation's capital recently, the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Ceremony. And uh, take a look back at the 2017 season with our weekly Game of the Week. We'll go back to May, an outstanding, thrilling ball game down in Cincinnati between the Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. That's all coming up as Tribe Talk gets rolling right here on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field downtown Cleveland. Great to have you along this week as we talk baseball on the radio. Our hot stove editions rolling on during the baseball off season. Should be an interesting show next week as the winter meetings take place 
down in Orlando in the Disney area, and uh, those get started uh, late this weekend, early next week. And uh, a lot of times there's there's big news. Sometimes there's the groundwork for later big news, and we'll find out about this time next week what the situation in 2017 has been. But uh, a lot of big chips still out there, including Otani, the young man from Japan waiting to sign a contract with uh, supposedly down to six or seven teams. And does Giancarlo Stanton, does he move along from the Florida Marlins? Obviously his mammoth contract, one of the big sticking points of any deal that is made between the Marlins and potential teams for the National League Most Valuable Player this past season. Don't forget, if you want to join us on Twitter, you can do so. At Indians Radio is our Twitter address as we try and keep you up to date on guests and showtimes, things like that throughout the offseason. And then during the season, a little bit more than that. Also, if you do not have a chance to catch this show on the Indians Radio Network, and it does run throughout the weekend on different stations, usually Saturday, late afternoon, early evening on WTAM 1100, our flagship station out of Cleveland, but also the good folks down at WAKR in Akron carry the show and some others as well, so check your local listings for that. But if you don't catch it, On the radio, you can still catch it on Indians.com. Go to our website, and they do have archived editions there. Or, just as easy, it is in podcast form shortly after the show runs on the weekend. Just go to iTunes under Cleveland Indians Podcast. Well, earlier this week, the Indians announced a signing. Very pleased to announce a two-year contract with relief pitcher Dan Otero, who has been just tremendous the past two seasons out of that Indians bullpen. Combined the last two seasons... He's made more than 100 appearances out of the pen. His record is 8-1. and one. His ERA, a sparkling 2.14. He's a ground ball machine, the master of the double play, and uh, really has been a nice asset to the Indians since they acquired him prior to the 2016 season. And for Dan Otero, who will pitch next season at the age of 33, this is the first time in his pro career that he has signed a multi-year Major League contract. It's a two-year deal with a club option for the 2020 season. And uh, just a great idea of the struggles that he has had to establish himself at the Major League level. Sometimes it just is not easy. And he broke in with the Giants back in 2012 after signing out of college in 07. And really didn't have a full year in the Major Leagues until 2014 when he appeared in 72 games with the Athletics but took a step back the following year, saw some time at AAA, and that's where the Indians were able to acquire him. He had bounced around a little bit, was with the uh, Philadelphia Phillies. They took him off the roster, worked out a deal with the Indians who brought him in prior to last season. He was absolutely outstanding in 2016 and pretty darn good this season, this past season as well. So, uh, great for him. We caught up with him at his off-season home out in Seattle, the great Northwest. And he says it is uh, some kind of feeling to have some security for the first time in his major league career. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Rosie, first and foremost. Uh, you know, it absolutely is. Anytime you're in a position to, uh, you know, sign on with a winning organization like this for more than a year, you take advantage of it. And, you know, this is the first time I basically don't have to kind of play year to year and uh, so it's a nice feeling, and I know my family and I are very excited about it. And you mentioned that, and, and I imagine for any player when, when they sign a, a contract, it's a, a special time. 
but uh, you mentioned this is the first time that, that you've been able to do it over multiple years. And at the age of 32, you've been pitching pro ball since 2007. Uh, were there any times over that period where you just thought, man, is it always going to be a, a real scramble each year to, to find a good situation and a good spot? Um, I would say every year you kind of think that way. You know, you, there's, there's so much uncertainty in this game, and I've been I've been designated for assignment, I think, on four different occasions. So I've kind of gone through a lot of different scenarios as a player. So I never thought something like this would ever happen. And, you know, next season I'll be 33. So to be able to, you know, have the faith from the front office to put two or pay me three more years in me it was just uh, just amazing feeling. And, um, you know, like I said, I can't say it enough, but I'm just really excited. And you talk about that roller coaster sometimes in, in a career uh, you have the, the real strong season in 2014 with Oakland, and at the end of the following year, you had spent some time in AAA. You end up with the Phillies and then traded over here to the Indians. Uh, did you have any indication that, that things might be able to work out the way they have uh, when you were traded to Cleveland from Philadelphia? I mean, you're, ob- you're obviously always hoping for the best, and I knew it was going to be a good situation to be in, um, and Thankfully, the coaching staff in the front office gave me an opportunity in 16 to first of all make the team, uh, which wasn't a foregone conclusion. And then I had a you know pretty good season in 16, and obviously our you know team did really well. Also, unfortunately, one one run short. But uh, you know, then again in 17, you kind of expectations are set a little higher, both individually and team wise. And I think both of us come, came up a little short. So you know, there's some unfinished business there. You know, but no, I never imagined anything like this would happen when I was designated by the Phillies and traded over here. Um, I was almost two off seasons ago to this day. So it was right before Christmas time in 15 and now Christmas time in 17. And that's another nice little present. Dan Otero joining us. Always fun to catch up with Dan on, on subjects baseball wise and otherwise. And, and you always have a, a good, good perspective on things. And uh, that bullpen such a, a tight knit unit. And then there may be some changes this year. There may, may not be a whole lot, but uh off season, uh, you've been away from Cleveland for a couple of months now. You guys see each other every day in that bullpen. You, you have conversations about just about everything under the sun. Do you pick up the phone in the off season and, and call these guys on occasion <laughs> just to catch up and, and maybe uh, engage in more conversation, or is that a time just to clear your head? No, you decompress from all those guys. <laughs> no, uh, we, we always joke around there when the season ends. You get to actually pick your own friends. So uh, that's kind of a joke amongst us down there. But uh, we we all have some group text messages every now and then, you know, over the holidays. And um, I've actually spoken with a few guys just over text the last week or so. So you stay in touch a little bit, but nowhere is it near the amount of time you spend during the season. So it's nice to get away from those guys, too, during the off season. And for you, uh, your off season finds you in, in Seattle for the first time. Uh, you spent your high school years in, in Miami area and uh, some time in Scottsdale. Uh, what landed you in Seattle, and do you like moving around a little bit and seeing different parts of the country? Yeah, I was just trying to experience four seasons for the first time, so I wanted to come out to the northwest. No, uh, my wife uh, was born and raised up here in the area, so we were trying to get closer to her family. And we have uh, three little ones under the age of four, so it's nice to, have, uh, nice to have the grandparents around. I can help out at the drop of a hat. You were you were one of many who who had an addition to your roster during the <laughs> yes. the season this year. How's everything going there uh, for the other two? 
Yeah, everything's going well. The older two are uh, handling it very well, so uh, there's been no uh, huge incidents so far. I'm sure uh, they'll be at each other's throats in the next couple of years, but as of right now, they're all uh, they're all behaving very well. They'll probably wait for you to go to spring training, right? <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> well, Dan, hey, congratulations. Great to have you back in the fold, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, during the offseason here at Tribe Fest and then at spring training as well. Absolutely, Rosie. Thanks for having me on. That is Indians relief pitcher Dan Otero, one of the good guys in the game. And uh, the Indians very pleased to have him back as a part of their bullpen. And when we come back, we'll hear some of the thoughts of Chris Antonetti about that signing and why it's so important based on some of the things that could happen this offseason. And we'll also hear from Chris on why the market seems so slow in terms of transactions and signings and trades among major league teams so far this offseason. That comes your way shortly as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Earlier this week, the Indians announced the signing of Dan Otero, their relief pitcher of the last two seasons who has put up some outstanding numbers out of that tribe bullpen. Chris Antonetti, Indians president of baseball operations, explains why the signing of Otero could potentially be more important than it originally appears on the surface based on some things that could be happening in the tribe bullpen this offseason. We're really excited that we were able to uh reach an agreement with Dan on a multi-year contract. Uh, not only does it give us some cost certainty uh, for the next couple of years, it also provides us an option for Dan's first year of free agency, which gives us the chance to keep him in the organization uh, a little bit longer. Uh, obviously, Dan's made huge contributions in his time to us, filling a very versatile role in our bullpen. Tito's called on him as early as the first inning in some instances and also uh, has used him in some uh, late-game opportunities. So it's a guy that we've come to to value his consistency and his contributions uh, really throughout our bullpen in a variety of different roles, and we're uh, really happy that we were able to, to, to work towards this. Chris also talked about the state of the marketplace in Major League Baseball. It has been an extremely slow offseason in terms of free agent signings and player transactions, trades between ball clubs, and he has some thoughts on why that may be. Well, each market's a little bit different. Uh, the pace of this year's market does seem to be a little bit slower than at least the most recent postseasons. In fact, I was talking to a very uh, experienced general manager uh, last week, and <clears throat> he had mentioned in, in his decades in the game he couldn't recall a postseason that pro- or a offseason that progressed this slowly. But that can change very quickly, and you know, obviously we'll be heading to the winter meetings next next week and expect there to be a flurry of activity then. Yeah, I feel, again, I, I touched upon it a little bit as I address uh, the comments on Dan, but we have tried to take a multi-year approach to team building. So our 2018 roster isn't a byproduct just of decisions we've made over the last 12 months or last couple months. In fact, you know, we've been building this roster for the last few years. You can go back to... You know, contract extensions we signed for, you know, Josh Tomlin and Carlos Santana and Michael Brantley, all of whom would have been free agents had we not uh, signed them to contracts at that point. You can go back to, you know, the Andrew Miller acquisition. We were, you know, specifically targeting players that can impact multiple seasons. We had options that we could have traded for players that only impacted the 2016 season, but instead we wanted to take a multi-year look at that um, 
and find a multi-year fit. And we were able to do that with Andrew and uh, similar with the Edwin signing last year. There were obviously alternatives on the market that would have impacted just the 2017 season and we would have been back in the market you know, for that, for a similar type of guy this off season. Instead, we did a lot of our team building and our team planning in years or months prior to this. So we head into the off season with fewer needs than we otherwise would have. That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. When we come back, we will visit with Indians vice president, Bob DiBiasio. He will fill us in on this year's edition of the annual Act of Valor Awards ceremony named in honor of Indians great Bob Feller. That's coming your way next as we continue with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you at Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Always fun to visit with Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio this time of year because it means that you have been to Washington, D.C. and back for a tremendous annual event. This year, the fifth annual Bob Feller Act of Valor Award Ceremony. And, uh, Bobby D., I know for you, it's always a, a big highlight of your calendar. And uh, what makes it so special? And, and before we get into the specific uh, players and officers who were honored, but just the, the general theme of the day and night. Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk about the Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation and the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award Ceremony that we hold every year right after Veterans Day uh, at the U.S. Navy Memorial uh, in Washington, D.C. It's a terrific event. Uh, it's our fifth year now. Uh, it's amazing. We've now done this five years. Uh, uh, the focus, the mission of the Bob Feller Act of Valor Foundation uh, is to uh, recognize and, and honor those who support our military. Uh, the most important uh, aspect of it is the awards ceremony where we honor a current Major League Baseball player. We honor a Baseball Hall of Famer who served uh, in the military. We honor a Chief Petty Officer, uh, the rank that Bob Feller earned uh, when he served aboard the USS Alabama during World War II. We also honor uh, a U.S. Marine with the Jerry Coleman Award, uh, the old ball player and broadcaster, uh, legendary Jerry Coleman. Uh, and we have a couple of other awards that uh, are uh, presented that evening. Uh, really a remarkable event. Uh, uh, the number of rear admirals and uh, a lot of shiny medals and uniforms. I mean, it's it really makes you feel it. It's heartwarming to be in this group of people who are so dedicated um, to our country and to, pervert, to preserve the freedoms that um, we all enjoy. Uh, the U.S. Navy, uh, uh, the Naval Academy baseball team is present every year. So that's really cool when they get to interact with the big leaguer uh, and the Hall of Famer. Um, so it's just a wonderful evening, all in the memory of Bob Feller, who uh, was the first professional athlete to enlist uh, in the service following the attack of Pearl Harbor. Getting right to today's player, it was Darren O'Day, the relief pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles. But before we talk about his service and, and some fun stories that he told you about his relationship with Bob Feller, albeit brief, uh, 
past winners of the award. Uh, the Indians' own Nick Swisher when he played here. Justin Verlander, some great names have been uh, past award winners. Yes, they had Jonathan Lucroy uh, when he was with the Brewers. Remarkable uh, efforts. Uh, uh, Nick Swisher uh, here in Cleveland. Um, Corey Kluber now. Uh, he is not a uh, Bob Feller Active Valor Award winner. He is a nominee, but Corey and, and Amanda just do a remarkable job of uh, their connection with the local uh, veterans uh, hospital and uh, treating uh, um, the veterans to ball games uh, uh, throughout the season. Uh, uh, again, Corey is just so dedicated to this. Uh, Justin Verlander was indeed our, our first winner. Uh, uh, he gives in excess of a million dollars a year to the Wounded Warrior Projects and a few other uh, specific uh, organizations that really help in the transition of veterans when they come home um, to uh, just get themselves acclimated back to uh, daily life, civilian life as it is. And that's not an easy transition for many of uh, the men and women. So that's one of the things we try to do is uh, recognize and uh, acknowledge and honor those uh, all across baseball that, you know, uh, are dedicated and committed to our servicemen and women. So Darren O'Day of the Baltimore Orioles, relief pitcher, he's this year's award winner. How come? Well, remarkable list of things that he does from the Wounded Warriors Project to um, helping the USO in Baltimore. He uh, and his wife uh, hold a picnic at uh, Oriole Park every year that he gets his teammates to be involved in for all the veterans and for many of them whose their spouse is overseas engaged and so the families uh, um, give the families an opportunity to do something with other families who are in the same scenario um, to have a day where it's more relaxed and um, pretty exciting for the young people and their families to interact with the Baltimore Oriole players. And um, he's part of uh, um, going to, to Fort McHenry. He, you know, has a, a baseball clinic for over 100 youth uh, that are of uh, children of veterans who aren't around, uh, again, that are overseas. And, and just trying to provide different opportunities uh, to make uh, missing their mother or father on a consistent basis, uh, trying to provide uh, um, uh, little events and, and experiences to uh, have that sting go away a little bit. Uh, just remarkable what he and his wife uh, uh, have done in the Washington and Baltimore area. So it was a pretty easy choice for us. He had been a nominee the last couple of years, uh, Buck Showalter came in support. The manager of the Orioles came in and supported Darren at the event, which was pretty cool. And again, to see the U.S. or to see the Naval Academy baseball team uh, just be able to spend some time with a big leaguer. I mean, Darren had a wonderful time, got some of the pitchers together and asked them about their release points and how to put, a, you know, their fingers on baseball and, and to show. I mean, it was it was just really cool. And they and the kids were in their uniforms and. Uh, not baseball uniforms either. Uh, they're Naval Academy unis. And uh, it, that, that site just, again, it, it warms your heart. And Darren O'Day met Bob Feller, which, uh, you know, as we get further and further away from his passing, uh, these award winners, the chances of that happening are, are not are slim. But he had a chance to meet him at a very young age. How did that go? It was so funny. When he got up and he, he told me beforehand, he goes, 
hey Bob, I've got a uh, I got a story you're gonna love because one of the things we do, Rosie, is we go to the the award winners and say we would like you to you know to speak you know because some of these chief petty officers don't want to get up in front of rear admirals, these retired four five star admirals that are there and and so we ask them just to get up. You only have to take. 30 seconds if that's all you want. Even the ball players say, look, we just expect to get up, say a couple words. And uh, he came to me and he goes, you think I could get five minutes or six? Is it okay? I was like, well, of course. We just want to make sure you were aware that we wanted you to get up and not just wave and say thank you. Um, so I said, so you have something you're going to say? He goes, oh, just wait. I got a story for you about Mr. Feller. So as he's up there, he's telling the story about how when he was a little kid, his parents took him to a minor league ball game, and Bob Feller was doing his minor league tour back in those days. And so Bob would throw to certain people in the stands and then do a signing uh, autograph sessions out in the left field pavilion, as he would do in Winter Haven all the time in spring training and even in uh, a couple of years in Goodyear. Uh, we certainly miss that man. What a more remarkable guy. Uh, but as... Darren was telling the story, he said, you know, I'm all nervous, going to meet this Hall of Fame baseball man. You know, I, he goes, I didn't know, uh, you know, a lot about Mr. Feller at that point. I've gotten to study more about him since I won this award. And uh, But my first connection with him, I'm standing in line to get an autograph from a baseball Hall of Famer. And as I go up to him, I hand him my ball and my pen, and I take the top off my pen, and my pen explodes all over the ball and all over Bob. And he goes, I learned a few words I had never heard before that day. So he goes, that's what I, he goes, and I kept that ball because he didn't sign, but I kept it as a, he goes, believe it or not, I was looking through all my old stuff in the basement and I couldn't find it for some reason, which bums me out. But I would have brought it to prove to everybody that that actually happened and I had a pen explode, not only all over the baseball, but all over Mr. Feller as well. And uh, I learned a few choice words that day, so that was pretty cute. Boy, what are the chances, right? But uh, so Darren O'Day, the, the current player, and uh, you mentioned a Hall of Famer as well. And, and who was that this year? This year was Tom Seaver. Unfortunately, Tom uh, couldn't be with us. Uh, uh, sadly, Tom is suffering from uh, stage two Lyme uh, disease, and um, but a, a passionate letter that we had the former. Uh, Secretary of the Navy John Dalton uh, read the acceptance uh, letter from Tom Seaver. Uh, we've had a pretty awesome run of uh, Yogi Berra and Tommy Lasorda and Rod Carew and um, Tom Seaver. I mean, there's some wonderful names uh, in baseball history, all who served. Tom Seaver was a member of the U.S. Marine Reserves. He spent eight years right out of high school. Credits him being a U.S. Marine Reserve, uh, his eight-year commitment, changing his life. Uh, he he doesn't win 311 games in the big leagues, he says, without that discipline that he learned coming out of high school and not the greatest student. Uh, um, and so he wasn't as disciplined as he needed to be. And all the things that he learned going through that reserve training in the U.S. Marines is what helped him uh, in his professional baseball career going on to USC and being a star at USC and then into the big leagues. One of the things that was interesting 
that I found out about him, and I didn't realize this, that uh, when Tom Seaver uh, was elected into the Hall of Fame, he was so by the highest margin of any player prior. Um, was on like 96 or 7 percent of the ballots, which you thought Ty Cobb or even Mr. Feller or um, Babe Ruth would have been on 100 percent. But as they say, even Ted Williams didn't get the 100 percent vote, uh, which is bizarre. Uh, You'd like to find the voter who said, said he's not good enough. Yeah, 311 wins doesn't quite uh, make it on my ballot, but um so that was a, a remarkable uh, a story as well, um, Tom Seaver and his connection. Same with Rod Carew the year before, uh, a U.S. Marine in the reserves and, and how it shaped his life. And um, it, Rosie, I'll tell you, it is uh, a remarkable evening. Uh, the U.S. Navy Memorial has a theater um, in the basement where their museum is. Then you go into a, a theater, seats about 230 people, and I have the honor and privilege to be the master of ceremonies of the event. And, uh, again, to have the type of people uh, sitting in that room from U.S. Marines. I mean, there's a gentleman by the name of Ron Green who's the 18th sergeant major in the history of the U.S. Marines, and when he gets up to introduce the winner of the Marines, I mean, you're ready to go to battle. I mean, this guy, it's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, it's just such a wonderful, um, heartwarming, uh, patriotic uh, event that um, the Indians are so proud to be a part of. I know you had a lot to do with getting it going and, and keeping it going, and uh, Bobby D., thanks so much for sharing a great event uh, shortly before Thanksgiving. Well, thank you, Rosie. Happy holidays to you and yours. And I'm sure Coleman's going to have himself a heck of a stocking this year, huh? You ready? No question about that. That's Indians Vice President Bob DiBiasio talking about the Bob Feller Active Valor Awards. They took place between Veterans Day and Thanksgiving not too long ago in Washington, D.C. Stay tuned. More to come as we continue a Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Our final segment, and throughout the offseason during our hot stove shows, that has been a chance to look back at some of the great games and what was an outstanding 2017 season that featured 102 wins, the most in the American League for the Tribe, and only the third time in their history that they have won more than 100 games in a season. We take you back to Tuesday night, May the 23rd. The Indians were in Cincinnati. It was the first two of that four-game home-and-home series, the traditional interleague series with their Ohio neighbors, the Cincinnati Reds. Now, the Indians were off to a sluggish start. You may remember it took them a while to really hit their stride. They were 23-20 and 20 coming into the ball game, and the Reds, who many predicted to just have an awful season, they ended up uh, at or near the bottom of the National League Central, but they were 21-23 and 23 coming in and playing better than many expected. The pitching matchup, Carlos Carrasco for the Tribe and rookie Amir Garrett for Cincinnati. And it didn't take the Indians long to get the scoring started in this one, thanks to Francisco Lindor in the first inning. The pitch swung on and hammered to deep left and gone! And Frankie Lindor puts a charge into one right-handed. His team-high 10th home run of the year. Three of them have come right-handed. 
And the Indians have the early 1-0 lead. And that was a laser off the bat of Frankie Lindor into the lower deck in left. And it got out of here in the blink of an eye. Boy, what a start to the season. And what a season on the whole for Francisco Lindor. Just another example of it right there. Now, the Reds answered in the bottom half of the first with a run to tie the game. Then they scored twice more in the second to take a 3-1 lead. But in the third inning, the Indians' bats would explode. First, it was Michael Brantley at bat with Lindor on first. 3-1, to one, Cincinnati leading the Indians' third inning. One out, one on. Brantley rockets one to right field. It's a base hit. Down the line, it'll go all the way to the wall. Lindor's on his way to third. Brantley to second. Lindor's being waved home. Relay throw to the plate. The slide, not in time. He's in safely. Throw down to third by Mazzarocco. Not in time. Brantley's in sliding safely feet first. The Indians now trail it 3-2. to two. The next batter was Carlos Santana. Again, the payoff pitch. Swung on, light drive, base hit to left. Santana on pitch number 11. Whistles an RBI single to left. Brantley scores, and we've got a tie game at three. That is as good an at-bat as Carlos Santana has had in many a ball game. And Santana picks up RBI number 23. And then Edwin Encarnacion unleashed the thunder. Edwin Encarnacion would like to haunt the ball club that traded him away to the Toronto Blue Jays. The set, the pitch. Swung out and driven. Deep left field. Away, way back. Gone to the second deck. Edwin Encarnacion. A no doubt about it. Two-run bomb to the second deck in left. And it's a four-run Indians inning. And the Tribe with a 5-3 to three lead. And Edwin Encarnacion with his eighth home run, giving him 19 RBIs. Oh, did he put a charge into that baby? Still in the third inning, Jan Gomes added another run. The pitch to Gomes. He swings. Hammers one. Deep center. It's gone. Jan Gomes with his fourth home run of the year. A majestic blast to center field. And Gomes has made it a five-run Indians inning. And the Indians now on top six to three. So the Indians have hit three home runs tonight. Two in this third inning. And Jan Gomes continues to have a sizzling month of May. Carrasco went on to get the first out in the bottom of the seventh inning before he turned the ball game over to the bullpen, and a rarity for the tri-pen. They allowed the Reds to tie the game as Cincinnati struck for four runs to tie it up at seven in the seventh. So on to the eighth we went, and the Indians were facing veteran reliever Drew Storen, who got himself into a jam right away. A leadoff walk to just called up Bradley Zimmer. Then Encarnacion reached on an error. Both runners moved up on a bunt by Jose Ramirez. But a shallow fly ball, an out recorded, off the bat of Jan Gomes, kept those runners at second and third. Now two men out, and that set the stage for Daniel Robertson at the plate, and the Reds were sticking with Drew Storen in that spot. Pitch bounces in, gets away from Mezzarocco. That allows the Indians to take the lead. A wild pitch scores Encarnacion from third, and the Indians lead 8-7. to seven. Oh, hey, Drew Storn uncooked a wild, wild slider. 
that bounced in and Mezzarocco had no chance. He got part of his body on it, but it ricocheted away from him toward the backstop, and the Indians get a run. It's unearned, but they'll take it. So how about that? The Tribe takes a lead. All the thunder they had early in the game, the two home runs from Encarnacion, Jan Gomes with a home run, Frankie Lindor with a home run, and they score the go-ahead run on a wild pitch with Robertson at the plate. Well, in the bottom half of the eighth inning, keep that name in mind, Daniel Robertson. The Reds were looking to even things up again. They had the speedy Jose Peraza at second base. Zach Cozart was at the plate, and Robertson would come up with the defensive play of the game. So now the tying runs at second with a full count on Zach Cozart. Eight to seven Indians, two down in the Reds' eighth. Peraza runs well. He's at second. Now the outfield really shortens up. The pitch. Swung on line drive, base hit, right field. Up with it, Robertson. Here comes Peraza. Throw the plate on a bounce, slide, tag. He is out at the plate. Daniel Robertson with a tremendous one-hop throw gets the speedy Peraza on a bang-bang play at the plate. Oh, what a play by Robertson. And the Indians stay on top 8-7 to as we go to the ninth. And in the ninth, Cody Allen slammed the door, and it was a solid one-run road win for the Tribe in Cincinnati. The next day, we caught up with the unlikely Indians hero, outfielder Daniel Robertson, who was called up from the minor leagues after starting the season at AAA Columbus. He was in spring training on a minor league contract, did not make the club. He's a veteran of many, many seasons in professional baseball with not a whole lot of time in the major leagues. So some great perspective from Daniel Robertson on a big night and also his career. Daniel Robertson joining us. Uh, Outstanding game last night in a lot of different areas. Uh, You're back in the major leagues. And what has made this time in the major leagues special for you? Uh, Maybe not comparing it to other times, but just this point in your career, what's made it special for you so far? You know, I'm still young. I'm only 31. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's all special. You, you know that. Being in the big leagues, uh, playing against the best in the world every single night, playing against guys that I watch on TV, uh, whether when I was younger or coming up in the minor leagues or been able to come up with the orga- any uh, organization with, I think what makes it more special is this team – this team wants to win a World Series. And I'm not saying any other team that I ever, ever wanted to play on didn't, but this team has one goal and one goal only, and it's to win night in and night out. They don't care who you are, where you come from, how tall, how big. You know, look at Miller. He's the tallest one. Max, the tallest one. I'm probably the shortest one. We come in all different shapes and sizes, and winning is the most important thing. And they don't care about anything else. They don't care about numbers. They don't care about analytics. If you help win, you're on the team. And it added up to the Indians being one run better than the Reds last night. Daniel Robertson, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. And that will put a wrap on it. an exciting night for the Indians down in Cincinnati, the 8-7 to win over the Reds on May the 23rd. Another game of the week in our look back at the outstanding 2017 season. That also puts a wrap on this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Hope you can join us again next week. We'll be right back here at Progressive Field. Until then, this is Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network.